want us to just take a minute or two and begin to remember what it was like when you met your one. What was it like when you met him or what was it like when you met her? So you're going to have to kind of rewind the tape. What was the weather like? Do you remember if it was a sunny day and the birds were chirping and the clouds were perfect or whatever? What was the weather like? Maybe it was stormy. I don't know. What was she wearing or what was he wearing? Or maybe it was the lack of clothes that got your attention. I don't know. What did they smell like? What was that perfume that when she walked by, you come in? You're kind of like Pepe Le Pew, you know, you kind of got taken away by the smell. What was it like? Where were you at? I want you to remember today. I want to take a few minutes and just go back. I want to remember this a little bit. I remember when I first met my wife, Cheryl. This is my wife right here, Cheryl. And we're coming up on 20 years of marriage. We dated for four years. And so, and I'm still madly in love with you. And so it's, it was a great day. It was, uh, it was actually at a Magnese football game. I was on the team, but I wasn't dressing out for this particular game. And I was there in the stands, and I'm just hanging out with some buddies. And my buddies had some friends that were sitting a little bit below us. And I remember seeing this long, dark-haired, skinny girl. And I was like, hey, what's up with this? <laughs> and I'm checking her out. And I said, I didn't even watch the game. I'm, not, I'm like a football player. I ain't even paying attention. I don't care what my boys are doing. I don't care if we win. I don't know the score or nothing. I'm just like, wow, I'm stalking her. And I'm just looking. She turned around. And I'll never forget the moment I saw her face. I just remember hearing this song. Come on, some of you are feeling me, right? Oh, yeah. That's what I heard, baby. Oh, yeah. I didn't hear nothing else. That's all I heard. She turned around, and I was in love forever right then and there. And that's a true story, not the song, but the fact that I fell in love with her right there in that moment. I never thought my life would go that way, that I would see the girl of my dreams and fall in love in that moment. But I did. And then the story goes that she turned around and when she saw me, this, I'm telling y'all this is true. Okay. Some of you don't believe me. She denies it. But I promise you, before she dies, she's going to testify that this is what really happened. I was wearing some shorts. And back in my days, you wore these short shorts, cut off jeans and kind of got frizzled on the end. Because when you was working out, you wanted to show your stuff off, right? I mean, I, I, had, I, was, I was like seriously working out. I had these big old thighs, man. I think I'm more in love with my thighs than she was, but that's okay. And so, man, she turned around. She never looked me in the eye. She just looked at my legs. And I saw her, and she was just like, wow. Man, look at those legs. Telling you, it was over with. It was over with after that. That's what did it. That's how the story goes. She denies it, but I remember. (laughs) But but my wife will tell you the real story is is that she, she turned around, and she saw a jock, and she goes, oh, great. I got a jock checking me out. Oh, my goodness. What I'm going to do. They only got one thing on their mind. And I got to be honest, she's right. That's the only thing I had on my mind. It's the only thing I still have on my mind. And so (laughs) I'm just a dumb jock. That's all I am. But she saw me and she didn't give it much chance. She didn't think it was going to go anywhere. She was like, yeah, he may be fun to hang out with for a minute. But you know what? He's, he's got other plans. I'm not all about that. I'll give it a shot. So we, we went out that night. We danced and. Yeah, big boy can dance. The more I drank, the better I could dance. 
And so we had a great time, and, and, and then she, she, I gave her my phone number, and she gave me hers, and the, the rest, as they say, is history. And so, but she didn't give us much chance. So maybe some of you met your spouse like that. Maybe you kind of, it was like a, oh, yeah, okay, I'll give this person a chance. And, it, and then it turned into something better. You see, what Cheryl didn't realize is that she was looking at a bottle of wine and that it was only going to get better with age. And she had no clue it was going to be what it is today. You got to testify to that. All right. And so, so it just got better and it got better and it got better. But there was a lot of bumps along the road and a lot of, a lot of turning points and a lot of saying I'm sorry, but it ended up being good. But I want you to remember today what it was like. What was the excitement? What was the expectations? You see, when I saw Cheryl, I made a plan immediately because I knew my buddies. They were looking. And I was like, uh-uh, cuz. This one's mine. And I made a plan that I was going to win her and nobody else was. And so I pursued her hard. I went after her. I called her constantly. And what's funny is, is we kind of laugh about it now, is back in the day, I was, I was really kind of, until I met Cheryl, I was just kind of a typical jock. I mean, that's all I was really looking for was just to have some fun. And, and I met Cheryl, and, and she decided she would go out on a date with me, and I turned into Mr. Gentleman all of a sudden. I really don't know what happened. I think the Spirit of God had to take over or something, but I just, well, I took her out, and, and but remember, now I had a plan. I took her out, and I'd bring her home the first day, and I'd bring her home, and she's expecting me, you know, to, like, put it on her, you know, give her this big old kiss at the door and, and all that stuff. Mm-mm, that was the game plan. You see, I was playing hard to get. And so I, I kind of brought her to the door, and I kind of, I'll call you tomorrow. And I just left her hanging. And then I did that on the second date. And then I did that on the third date. And she had all these expectations of all these things I was going to do. But I had a plan. I was going to win her. And by the fourth date, she said, if he don't kiss me, I'm breaking up with him. <laughs> so I didn't know that, but thank God I kissed her. And then, and then it's over with since then. So, but, uh, <clears throat> so that's kind of how we got started. I remember the time. I remember the moment. Um, it was a good time. A great time. And for some of you, you've forgotten about the moment you met your spouse. Maybe life's gotten so crazy and busy that you've totally forgot what it used to be like when you first met each other. Remember the expectations? You remember waking or, or staying awake all night thinking about him or her? Right? You know how you girls are. I mean, you're really good at this. You'll step on it. Oh, his nose is so perfect. You can't sleep at night because you're just dreaming about him while the guy's snoring. <laughs> But do you remember what it was like? You remember the long phone calls and all the words you guys used to use? Come on, ladies. That was a good time to say amen. Yeah, y'all used to talk until you want us and then you quit talking. But do you remember what it was like? Do you remember what it felt like? How many of you did this? How many of you might date yourself? But you had the old, you remember the old phones before cell phones came out? You had the phone mounted to the wall. And it had a little short cord to it until you started dating. Then you convinced your parents to get the long cord. How many of you remember that? Just raise your hand real quick. You just dated yourself. All right, good. Well, you take that, that phone and you, you get all the way to your room. And for some of you, you barely make it in the door. And you shut the door and you talk to your boyfriend or your girlfriend all night until your parents came and ran you off the phone. Do you remember that? Do you remember what that was like? you remember the feeling when you knew that you were getting ready to see him? Some of the guys, 
you were like good old roosters, man. You, you, some other dudes would come around, and this was your girl, and all of a sudden you'd puff up. And then you start strutting around and showing off a little bit. Why did you do that? Because you didn't want her looking at nobody else, right? This is my, this is my hen. <laughs> and I'm the rooster. You remember that? You remember what it was like? My goal today is to bring you back to where you first started. I want us to go back to when we first met, to when, to when everything was innocent. We had no history between us, and we were just madly in love with each other. That's what I want to go back to today. And then we're going to jump in the Bible, and I want to go back to the beginning of, of how, and I want to show you how God intended marriage to be. So go with me to Genesis chapter 2. How many of you remembered already? How many of you kind of reminiscing right now? Okay, one of you. This message just ain't working. Two of you are reminiscing. All right. Let's go to Genesis, see if the Lord can help us. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 2, starting, I'm actually starting verse 18. Watch this. It says God's in the business of creating everything. Verse 18, chapter 2, he says this. Then the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But still there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the ribs, one of the man's ribs, and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed when he came out of his deep sleep. This one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she, has, she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked but felt no shame. Great story. So Adam is there, and he's, God's creating all these animals, and he's busy with God. He's in this beautiful garden that God created because God created this garden to come and spend time with Adam and Eve. And so Adams, he's busy. God's creating Adam's naming. God gave Adam the ability to name the animals, every one of them. So God's creating. They're coming in front of Adam. He's naming, creating, naming, creating, naming. I wish he would have smashed a mosquito. Come on, somebody. And I wish he would have smashed the Asian beetle that's tormenting everybody right now. Life would have been better, but he didn't. So he named them. And, and so Adam's busy doing that. And then he realizes, and there's none like me. I'm the only one like this. And so the Bible says that the Lord God, God himself said this statement, and it's true, that it is not good for man to be alone. It is not good for man to be alone if god said it's not good for a man to be alone then it's not good for a man to be alone right it's not good when men get alone they usually get in trouble it's not good for man to be alone so so the lord said i'm going to create a helper i'm going to create one like him but watch this notice god doesn't go to the dust and form up another being and breathe life into it like he did with Adam. Because that's what he did with Adam. He took the dust and he made the form and then he breathed the life into it and creation happened and boom, we had Adam. We had the first man on the planet. God didn't do it that way with Eve. 
God actually put Adam asleep into a deep sleep, pulled from his rib, pulled one of his ribs out, and from that rib, God formed and created the woman. Okay, now all the birds, all the animals, all the fish, everything else, he created them, female and male, to be able to reproduce. God took mankind, and he didn't do it that way. He created one from the other. Meaning that there was a, their intentions were to always be together. Now notice he didn't take something from Adam's toe. So that, so that Adam could always rule over her. And he didn't take something from Adam's head so that she could rule over him or he could rule over her mentally. You see this? God took it from his side. The closest place to his heart, he took a rib and he created the woman from the man's rib. The only time he's ever done that in history. He created one from the other. Not two separate creations, one from the other. And so God created man and woman to be together. To be joined together, side by side. It shows equality. It shows that God sees us both the same. He deals with us both the same. He loves us both the same. We have different roles and different positions in the marriage, but that's how God sees us. And I'm going to tell you, one of the greatest secrets to marriage is learning how to play your role. If you're the man, your role is to be the head of the household, to be the leader, the spiritual leader, the emotional leader, the financial leader, the physical leader. You're supposed to lead your home. And the wife, the Bible says, is the helpmate, the one that comes alongside and helps him lead and accomplish and do everything that the family is supposed to do. Both positions are equal. Not one position is greater than the other. See, too many times and for too long we've got it wrong where the woman is supposed to be the subordinate and the man is supposed to be the king. That's not right. The man is the head of the household. He's the leader. The woman is going to help him do that. Are you seeing this? It's It's an equal, it's an equality there that God sees because God's saying to the man very kindly, you need help. So look at your wife next to you and go say thanks for the help. By the way, that was the first surgery ever performed in history. No, for real. That is the first surgery ever performed in history. That was the first anesthesia ever administered. Was that God put him into a deep sleep and then pulled a rib out of him. That brother was asleep. Come on, somebody. He was asleep. The first surgery that ever happened. The first time he ever created one from the other. And so God had plans. God had a purpose for the marriage. He had a, he had a, a plan, a laid out plan for marriage for Adam and Eve. And it was a good thing. Man, it was good. Listen to me. They're living in the garden of Eden. The most beautiful place ever created on the planet. Adam's got dominion and Eve. They've got dominion over everything. God put it in their charge. And God's purpose was that they would be fruitful and multiply. But his other purpose was, I'm creating a place so that I can come and I can walk with you in the cool of the garden, in the cool of the day. You see, that's still God's intentions for us today. 
as married couples is that we would come together, stay united, stay joined together, and together we would walk in the presence of God. Are you hearing me? That together we would enjoy the presence of Almighty God. God still wants to walk in the garden with you today. Come on, somebody. That's good news. But what's the problem? The problem is we let too many things get in between us. Right? Too many things come in between us. Too many distractions. Too many other things going on and we let go. And then there becomes a division. Notice Adam's excitement when he sees Eve. <laughs> now, we joke when I do, whenever I do weddings, a lot of times I'll slip a little corny joke in there that goes, you know, Adam created, God created the woman, and when Adam woke up, he named her, whoa, man. <laughs> I still believe that's true today. But he was excited, right? He was fired up. Finally, I've been looking at fish and cows and dogs and chickens. Woo! Come on, have you lost your Woo! When your man walks in the door and he's all greasy, stinky, and dirty, do you still got your, whoa, my baby's home? Or is it like, hey, where's it at today? Come on, when she's all tore up because she's been dealing with some old kids and she's been cleaning the house and cleaning the toilets and you walk in and she's like, do you turn around and go back outside? Or do you say, hey, baby, you looking good today? Man, girl, I like those jeans on you. Can I help you? That's when she really brightens up. She don't hear about the jeans. She don't hear about how she looks. None of that stuff, because that's what got her in trouble in the first place. But she, she wants some help. She wants you to come inside. Maybe when you walk in the door, you need to get a little excitement about some dishes. Amen. Woo! Holy Ghost just hit the building. Maybe you need to take the garbage out, and she ain't got to tell you. Okay, that's not a problem. All right. You guys do a good job taking the garbage out. You just need to work on your dishes. <laughs> but have you lost the wow factor in your marriage? Listen, that's what I want to restore this, these next couple of weeks. I just want to get you back to where you're, you're, you're together. There's nothing between you and you can walk in the presence of God and you can enjoy the mess out of each other. That's all I'm after. All I'm after. That's what I want to accomplish. Now watch this portion towards the end of the the verses that I read to you. Verse 24 says this. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. You've got to know that when God looks at you, guys, when he looks at you, that you marry couples, when he looks at you, he sees one. Let's see if I can explain this. You're two separate individuals. That come into the marriage with your own trunk load of trash. Right? You're, everybody's got baggage. Say it with me. Say, everybody's got baggage. If you think you don't have baggage, that just means you've got more baggage than you can see. Everybody comes in with baggage. And then God does this miracle working thing where we both give our lives to Jesus and we both work on our relationships with Jesus. And God unites us and the baggage leaves and unity comes. And when God sees us, he sees us as one. He's never forgotten that he took the first rib out of the first man and made the first woman. God's not forgotten what he done. And it it still holds true today that we're supposed to be connected side by side. 
And so when he sees us, he sees us as one. When he deals with us, he deals with us as one. Now, the only way you grow in marriage is when each person begins to work on their own stuff and their own attitudes and their own baggage. And then they let God deal with each other for themselves. And then God can then join us together and bring us together. But God sees us as one. Now, watch this portion. Verse 25. It says, now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. So they're. They're, they're naked. I mean, when the Bible says they're naked, they're naked. Okay. They're naked. They're in this garden. There's not even clothes to be bought, clothes to be found. Their clothes don't even exist. They're naked. And the Bible says that they're unashamed. That means that there's no shame between them. Unashamed. You know, the, the enemy wants to come and he wants to kill, steal and destroy your marriage. And he's going to throw every weapon he has at you to do so. Let me show you how it works, though. When two people are united in in holy matrimony and God's joined them together and God sees them as one, the enemy has to get in the middle to bring division. He can't just pull from the outside. He has to get in the middle to bring division. In other words, he wants to bring shame in between the both of you where there is no shame or there should not be any shame. You follow me? Your relationship with your husband and your wife should be so clean and pure that there is no shame at all. There's no secrets. There's no hidden things. There's no nothing. We've come clean. Everything's out in the open. We're joined together like God wants us to be. The only way the enemy can bring division is to get in between. The only way the enemy can get in between, watch this now, is when somebody lets him. He can't force his way. He can throw a little temptation out here, maybe a little bit of selfishness over here. Maybe he can throw out a little bit of self-righteousness over here. Maybe he can throw a little bit of your past over here and get you to start to make a little crack so that he can come in between you and get after you. For some of you, it may look like an addiction. Maybe he'll take an addiction and he'll come and he'll he'll start to, to drive a wedge between you. The enemy can't force himself. You can only let him. You can only let him. If you let him come in, he will make each one of us selfish. I heard one preacher say, I don't do marriage counseling. Somebody said, well, why you don't do marriage counseling? He said, because I only got one thing to say to him. You need to die to yourself and you need to die to yourself. (laughs) I go, that might work. (laughs) Whatever he's using to come in between you is the thing that God wants to destroy. I was praying this morning. I just felt like every inch the enemy has taken in your marriage, God's going to destroy it today. In Jesus' name. The Bible says they were naked. They felt no shame. I've always been real open about Cheryl and I's relationship. I've never really hidden anything from any of you. When we were dating, uh, even though I had the whole wow factor and fell in love with her at first sight, I became unfaithful to her while we were dating. And I denied it the whole time. And then right before we were married, we had a moment where we looked at each other and we go, have you been totally honest with me about everybody you've been with? She said, yes, with a clean heart. I said, yes, with a bad heart. I lied. I said, yeah, yeah, I've been clean. I've been, I've been faithful. And so we got married. And I don't know if it was a year in or two years in. 
we'd, we'd finally got back to church maybe about three years in. We got back in the church, and I was sitting in a, in a service, and the preacher made a funny joke. It wasn't even a marriage series. He just made a funny joke about marriages, and the Holy Spirit jumped on me and said, you got to tell her. <laughs> and immediately I went, that's the devil. As the, as the devil trying to mess up my man, crazy sucker, he's crazy. I ain't telling that way. I tell her I cheated on her, man. That's over. That was before the marriage. I got all religious. That was before the marriage. I said, you got to tell her. I said, nope, I ain't doing it. I went home and I tried to take a nap. Couldn't sleep. Tormented. By that afternoon, I had enough. And I said, Lord, I'm going to tell her. But you're going to have to keep it together. And oh, by the way, don't let her hit me. And I did. I went and I got on my knees in front of Cheryl. And I confessed my sin to her. And by the grace of God, she forgave me. She forgave me. I went into the marriage with baggage. There was something in between us. There was shame in between us. But you know how I got rid of that shame? I embarrassed it. I went and I confessed it. You know how you deal with sin? You confess it. That's how you deal with sin. And if you're holding on to some secrets and you're holding on to some things that you've been hiding and your spouse doesn't know about them, then listen to me. There is now officially shame in between your marriage and the enemy has a wedge that is not supposed to be there. How do I fix it? Come clean. Confess. And pray to God they don't kill you. But you got to come clean. You got to confess because the God's intentions for us is to be is to be naked. That means that we're not hiding anything. The reason they didn't have clothes is because they didn't need to hide anything. It wasn't until after they sinned that God created clothes for them to wear because now they were embarrassed and ashamed. But when in marriage, when God looks at us, we should be naked between each other. There should be nothing that would bring embarrassment between us. Nothing. God's intentions is that we can be naked and unashamed. We're not hiding anything. By the way, let me give you just this little free tip. Anything that you have to hide is probably sin. Anything that your wife can't see is probably sin. If you got your phone locked down and nobody can get on it but you, you're probably hiding something. And it's more than your bank account. Listen, Cheryl has full access to anything that I have. I have no security codes on anything. We do the same thing with our kids. No security codes. I want to be able to see when I want to see. Full accountability. Why? Because I'm not letting the enemy get between us. I'm not going to let him drive a wedge. I'm not going to give him an inch because when he gets an inch, he wants a mile. And when he gets a mile, he wants 10 miles. And when he gets 10 miles, he wants 100 miles. He don't ever quit until we're fully destroyed. And some people in this church are standing on the brink of divorce today. Standing on the brink, they're going, man, just one little bump. And it's over. Some of you aren't there, but you're in this this slow drift. And and honestly, since the wedding day, it's just kind of gotten more dull and more dull. And now you're just two people coexisting together. That's not what God intended. God wants you to be naked and have fun. Have fun. We're supposed to like each other. We're supposed to love each other. We're supposed to be for one another, not against one another.
That was his intentions. This is how he painted the picture in the garden. Now, not long after this, sin comes and destroys the whole thing. And it wasn't until Jesus comes back that we're actually being able to put things back together and be where we are today. But it still holds true. God's picture in Genesis is still true for us today. I want you to see this in such a way that you know what? I want you to see it like this. That picture is mine. That picture is ours. And that's what our marriage is supposed to look like. And even if it doesn't look like that right now, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to run away. I'm not going to hide anymore. I'm going to come clean. We're going to settle the issues between us. And we're going to be like that picture that God painted for us. I hope you're getting that today. Because that picture is yours. That's your marriage. That's the way God sees your marriage. That's what he intends for your marriage. But the enemy's crept in and the enemy's done some work and he's done some damage. So what? Let's deal with it. God's bigger than any mistake you've ever made. He's bigger than any gap that you may feel between y'all right now. He's bigger than that. Amen? That's your picture. That's the way God sees it. That's his plans for us. God didn't even intend for shame to be in the garden. There was no reason for shame. But we got to fight for that. We got to fight for that picture. You can't just wish it into existence. You can't just hope that time's going to heal everything because it hadn't healed anything yet. You can't, you can't sit here and think, well, you know, one day, one day it'll get better. Listen to me, whatever you don't work on is getting worse all the time. If you don't deal with infection, infection gets worse and eventually kills you. Right? Whatever you're not dealing with is not getting better. Don't fool yourself. Don't celebrate if he's drinking a six-pack instead of a 12-pack. Work on it. Tackle what the enemy's been trying to do. Eradicate the work that he's brought into your marriage. And don't let him get any more. Because listen to me, there's generations coming after you that need you to hold this thing together. Your kids, they need to see mom and dad work through some issues and get it right. They need to see daddy chase mom around the house. They need to see some good tongue kissing going on in the house where they go, oh, y'all sick. And you go, well, yeah, but you're going to catch this one day too. So you may be able to pay attention, boy. <laughs> Teach you a little something. Not too much. Though. <laughs> but you need to give that to your kids. You need to give them a, something to shoot for. You're painting the picture for your children's marriage. They're going to settle for what you are. That's good preaching, Pastor James. I don't care what them people say. <laughs> That's just good preacher right there. (laughs) Don't we all want our kids to have a great marriage? Haven't you dreamed about that day when they're going to meet the the one and the the song's going to play in the background, right? 
give it to them. The greatest gift you can give your kids is a marriage. You know why? Because a marriage is a representation of Jesus in the church. You're painting the picture. I've given you something to fight for today from God's word. My encouragement to you is this. Go for it. No holds bar. Drop everything to save your marriage. Everything. Come clean. Get honest with one another. Don't let the enemy have a footstool anymore. Start today. And watch how fast God can do something. I've been saying this the last couple of weeks. Don't ever forget that God can do things in an instant. God can turn things round, around in an instant. He's still an instant kind of God. And don't be thinking, sitting here thinking, oh, another 10 years, I'm going to be 70 years old, and he's finally going to get right, and then, then we're going to be too old to have fun, and can't even go around naked 70 years old. <laughs> don't be thinking like that, think God's going to turn this thing around. <laughs> we're going to have some fun. Doggone it, the devil been tearing us up too long. I want to give you an attitude today. I want to get you right. Amen? Listen to me. I'm tired of seeing it. My wife and I, have, we've, we've, had, we've done more marriage counseling in the last six months than we've done in the whole seven years that we've been here. When I sit in, in our pastor's meeting every Wednesday morning, I look at the other pastors from the other two campuses, and I go, man, how y'all doing? They're like, bro, man, the marriage counseling, man. I mean, it's like a phenomenon all of a sudden. It's just crazy. And you know what? We're getting tired and we're getting weary and all that. But let me tell you something. I'm hanging on to that picture, not just for my marriage, but for yours too. So if you're having issues and you need some help, we're here to help. If you need somebody to punch the devil for you, I'll punch him. If you need me to punch your husband, I can do that too. No, I'm joking. He's like, I ain't going to see that man. Crazy. The big dude. Is it okay to have a little fun? Is it okay to laugh a little bit? Listen, the enemy wants to make you think that it's worse than it really is. He's the father of lies. And he wants you to think that it's so bad that you can't enjoy nothing. You know how you beat that? You celebrate everything that you do together. You appreciate one another. You love on one another. You give high fives, booty bumps, and you do all those crazy things, and you have fun. You grab that woman, and you dance in that house. You hear me? And the whole time, you're sticking your tongue at the devil. Hmm, I'll get you some of this, sucker. You thought you had us beat. Are you hearing me? Don't let him make you think it's too late. Don't let him make you think it's too bad. Celebrate what you got right now appreciate each other right now. You can find something to appreciate each other with right now. 